the hadith is narrated by Ibn Abbas, Abdullah Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He was one of the younger Sahaba. He was young in the time of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He says, Kuntu khalfan Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam ayawman. I was behind the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam one day. Faqal, and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to him, Ya Ghulam, young man. This is a method the Messenger وسلم, used to address people in order to be friendly to them. By calling him young man, the Messenger وسلم, is trying to be friendly to Ibn Abbas anhu. And he had great teaching techniques to make people comfortable in his presence to make people comfortable when he taught them something. I remember one time we spoke about a hadith in which the Messenger وسلم, teaches this man something, but he begins by calling him to come closer to the Messenger Then he holds his hand, and when he teaches him, he counts the things he is teaching him on the fingers of that man. He holds his hand and he's counting on, on his fingers just to make him feel loved, to make him feel the Messenger وسلم, does care about him. And I said this is very important when we educate especially our children. If you want to speak to your child, address him in a good manner. Say, my son. There are some people who've never called their children my son. My son makes him feel loved. My son, come here. My son, sit down. If you want to give him advice, maybe you can hold him by the hand or ask him to sit in your lap. Then start teaching him what you want to teach him. You teach him At-Tahiyat. You teach him Surah Al-Fatiha. While he sits in your lap, he feels loved. As opposed to teaching him Surah Al-Fatiha and, and slapping him each time he makes a mistake, it becomes very difficult to teach him because each time you say, come and learn, he knows it's, it's time to get a beating. So the Messenger وسلم, says to Ibn Abbas, anhu, ya ghulam, young man, inni kalimatin. I'm going to teach you some words. In order to prepare his mind, he says, I'll teach you a few things so that Ibn Abbas 
prepares his mind to learn what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wants to teach him. He says, Ihfadillah, take care of Allah. Yahfadh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need us to, to take care of him. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or rather the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Ihfadillah, take care of Allah, obviously he means something else. Because we cannot take care of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Quran, Ma uridu minhum min risk. I do not want any risk from them. Allah does not want anything from us. Even when Allah asks us to give to charity, to give sadaqat, the charity is not for Allah. The charity is for yourself and the beneficiaries, the fellow human being, and the greater benefit obviously comes, uh, comes to you. I do not need any risk from them. And I don't need them to feed me. So the words, take care of Allah, obviously do not mean providing risk to Allah or providing him with anything that Allah may need. Allah does not need anything. Ihfadillah means three things. Firstly, it means to take care of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory on you. The things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked you to do. And Allah himself has used the phrase hafiz to take care of in the Quran when referring to the things that he has made compulsory or the things that he asked us to do. He says, for example, hafizu ala salawati. Hafiz, take care of. Hafizu ala salawati, take care of the salawat. So the first way to take care of Allah is to take care of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made wajib on us, or the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to do. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also uses the same phrase in a hadith. He says, لا يحافظ على الوضوء إلا المؤمن The only person who takes care of wudu is a mu'min. Only a mu'min cares about keeping his wudu. When he breaks his wudu, he makes wudu again. Because he is a man who expects to be making ibadat every, every time. And he wants to keep his ablution intact. Uh, a fasik obviously does not care about whether he has wudu or he doesn't. Because in most cases he does not even need the wudu. He doesn't sit down to read Quran after all. Or any other ibadat. But a mu'min frequents the masjid. And he needs his wudu for the ibadat. So hafiz, take care of, means firstly the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made compulsory. Secondly, it means taking care of the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made haram. The things that he forbade. Don't do them. That is taking care of Allah. You remember the hadith in which we spoke about hifdul lisan. To take care of the tongue. That is taking care of Allah. Do not say the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want to hear from you. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The one who is going to take care of what is between his legs and what is between his jaws, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should give him jannah. So taking care of your private parts. Taking care of your tongue is taking care of Allah. 
Ihfadillah. Take care of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also used this phrase, Hafiz, take care of, in reference to the things that He has made haram. In Surah Al Mu'minun, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, Walladinahum lifurujihim hafiwun. And those who take care of their private parts. Walladinahum lifurujihim hafiwun. And those who take care of their private parts. Because taking care of your private parts is taking care of Allah. Illa ala azwajihim. Except to their wives or their husbands. In the case of a man, he has to take care of his private parts. Illa ala azwajihim except with his wife. In the case of a woman, she has to take care of her private parts. Illa ala azwajihim except in respect to their husbands. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that says, فَمَنِ ابْتَغَى وَرَاءَ Whoever is going to seek another way, apart from this way, which way? The way of husband and the way of wife. Whoever is going to seek another way to satisfy himself, or any lady that's going to find another way to satisfy herself or to satisfy her sexual needs, apart from the two ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned, that is the husband or the wife, those are the transgressors. The scholars have said, this verse is enough dalil that masturbation is haram. Um, you don't understand the phrase, I suppose. Uh, masturbation is when a person pleases himself in order to attain sexual satisfaction without a partner. He pleases himself. This verse is enough dalil that that is haram. Because whatever the person is going to use, obviously that's, that's not a wife. And whatever the lady is going to use, obviously that's not a husband. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Illa ala azwaji. Except with their, their partners, their husbands, or their wives. So whatever instrument a person is going to use in order to attain sexual desire, we can't say this is a husband. And we can't say this is a wife. So if it's not a husband, and it's not a wife, then it has to be beyond that. Those are the transgressors. So when you take care of that, you take care of your private parts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of you. So, ihfadillah, uh, take care of Allah, means take care of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory. Take care of the salawat, take care of the suyam, fasting, take care of everything Allah commanded you. You will have taken care of Allah. And take care of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden. Take care of your private parts. Do not use them in haram. Take care of your eyes. Do not look at haram. Take care of your ears. 
Do not listen to haram. It's reminiscent of the dua of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he says, Allahumma mati'na bi asma'ina wa absarina wa quwatina abadan ma abqaytana wa fi riwaya abadan ma ahyaytana Allahumma mati'na it means oh Allah make us enjoy mati'na bi absarina let us enjoy our eyesight we want to enjoy it until the day that we we die we do not want to lose our eyesight how if you keep your eyes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to keep the eyes for you and you will use them inshallah until the day that you die your ears the same your mind your aql the same a person who puts only what is good in his mind such as Quran and hadith and ilm and dhikr Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not embarrass such a person with the senility of old age where a person loses his mind you know people lose their minds when they grow old they start saying some embarrassing things they cannot think properly anymore i've seen situations where people have to be restrained rather certain old men have to be kept away from people because of the embarrassing foolish things that they say they say these foolish things because of the senility that has come to their minds alhamdulillah that never happens to the scholars the people of ilm do not lose their minds to such a point i'll give you the example of ibn baz rahimahullah may allah have mercy on him he grew very very old very old but he gave a couple of very important fatwa concerning marriage hours before his death he died of old age rahimahullah but hours before his death he was still able to give fatwa which we benefit from it's recorded in books today why he had his mind still and he was still thinking you know with the ability that he had in his youth allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept his mind for him but if you want to contaminate your mind with dirty things you want to put songs in your mind and you want to put dirty pictures in your in your mind and you want to smoke smoke weed and drink beer such a mind by the time you 60 70 years the mind is already feeble and i'm talking from experience i've seen a number of people they're like foolish like mad people they're not able to think properly they lost their minds a long long time ago and the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam here says ihfadillah take care of allah yahfaz allah is going to take care of you So if you're going to fear your uh, I mean to fear Allah concerning your your mind fear Allah concerning your eyes fear Allah concerning your ears fear Allah concerning all the parts of your body Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of you that is the meaning of the first part ihfadillah yahfaz
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So we're saying you take care of Allah, Allah takes care of you. You take care of the body parts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of them. Today it has become very common, especially among men, where so early, by the age of 60, 65, you discover they cannot, they cannot function anymore in the, in the bedroom. They cannot sleep with their wives. They don't have the ability. You should not wonder. Sometimes it's because of the way they took care of these private parts when they were young. The way they behaved. And you don't expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give them the mata' to continue using them until, until an old age, until the age of say 75, 80. It's not, it's not easy. Because you have to take care of these body parts in order for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take care of them for you. So we should not be surprised that nowadays, 40 years, 50 years, people are already struggling because of the things that they did, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not happy with. I'm not saying everyone, sometimes it's just, just a disease, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. I said the first thing is um, to stay away from, rather to follow what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded. The second is to stay away from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden. The third thing is to have sabr, to have patience on the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided should be. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides to take away someone who is beloved to you, someone, maybe your father, your mother, your child. Take care of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by not complaining. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want you to complain. So when you do these three things, you follow the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the things which he made obligatory. And stay away from the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made haram. And have sabr on the aqdar, the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided should be yahfad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then is going to take care of you. Then the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa goes on and gives further explanation. He says, Take care of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tajidhu tujahak. And in the next riwayah, Tajidhu amamak. Take care of Allah and you will always find him in front of you. There are so many things waiting to happen. Things that we do not know about. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already there in front of you. Stopping those things because of what you have been to him. Tajidhu amamak. You always find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ahead of you. Do you know what is ahead of you? Do you know what is supposed to happen to you today? You don't. Neither do I. I don't know what is supposed to happen to me today. But I should not worry. And you should not worry. Just take care of Allah. If you take care of Allah, He's going to be in front of you. He'll be ahead of you. And He's going to take care of all that. It's not your job to try to look into the future. There is no need for you to do that. For you, your job is to take care of Allah. You will find Him in front of you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to help you. So, tajidhu dujahak, 
means two things. Firstly, Allah is going to protect you in this world. And in the hereafter, which is even more important, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be there for you. And when you ask, ask Allah. When you ask, ask Allah. Sometimes we have a problem. And we go around and ask all people to help us with the problem that we have. Accept Allah. When someone has some problems at home, maybe there is no food at home. They'll go to their neighbors, they'll ask all kinds of people, and they wouldn't find. But the last person they'll think of is Allah. If you have to ask, the first person you're supposed to ask is whom? Allah. Ask Allah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not ask the people. There's a hadith, I think we read it together before, uh, which criticizes or does not encourage the behavior of asking. There's the hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Man sa'ala nasa takathuran fa'innama yas'al jamra fal-yastaqil aw liyastakfir. He that asks people in order to have more is only asking for a piece of fire. Let him ask for more or ask for little. It's, it's up to him. It's, it's up to you. Ask for more if you like, but just know it's a piece of fire. You ask for more, you ask for more fire. You ask for little, you ask for little fire. Let him choose to ask for more. I mean, for little, I or let him ask for, for more. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not criticize you for asking him. In fact, he is angry when you don't ask him. He encourages you to ask him and leave the people alone. A man came to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, show me something which if I do it, Allah is going to love me and the people will love me. If I do that thing, Allah will love me. And people are going to love me. He said, Izhad fi dunya yuhibbuk Allah. Izhad means be indifferent. Do not fall in love with the world. Don't pursue the world. Izhad fi dunya. Don't pursue the world. Yuhibbuk Allah. Allah is going to love you. Wazhad fi ma inda nas. And be indifferent to what people have. You nas. People will love you. People don't like those who ask them. Allah loves those that ask him. People don't like those that ask them. Even if a man loved you, if you want that love to come to an end, just start asking him. It won't last. Within two weeks, three weeks, he's going to stop, to stop loving you. Why? People don't like that. First time you come, no, I have a problem, this, that. Oh, okay, he solves your problem. Tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, the friendship has come to an end. People don't like that. But for Allah, the more you come, the more he loves you. 
The more you ask him, the more he loves you. So who would you rather ask? Allah who's going to love you when you ask him. Don't ask people who will hate you when you ask them. And believe me, this is the truth. Every person, every person is going to hate you if you continue asking them. No matter how patient they are, there just comes a point when they don't want it anymore. They, 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 they don't like it anymore. You could be the greatest person in the world, but the best way to demean yourself is to start asking them. The relationship will simply come to an end. That's it. So the Messenger وسلم, is giving you proper advice. If you need to ask, ask Allah. Because Allah is going to love you for asking him. But if you're going to ask the people, people are going to hate you for asking them. And when you need help, ask for help from Allah. And you say it every day. You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. So ask him. Not, not the people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, لِلْفُقَرَاءِ الَّذِينَ أُحْسِرُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ لَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ ضَرُبًا فِي الْأَرْضِ يَحْسَبُهُمُ الْجَاهِلُ أَغْنِيَاءَ مِنَ التَّعَفُّفِ تَعْرِفُهُمْ بِسِيمَاهُمْ لَا يَسْأَلُونَ النَّاسَ إِلْحَافًا Al-Fuqaraa, the poor people. They are imprisoned for Sabilillah. You know, to be imprisoned for Sabilillah means you cannot move about to, to find your risk. It's difficult for you. Why? Because you have to do Allah's work. Each time you are busy with Allah's work, you do not have the opportunity to do business the way everyone else is doing business. You don't have the opportunity to run around the way everyone else is running around. They cannot manage. The ignorant people think These are rich people The ignorant person when he looks at them Thinks oh, this, this is a rich man You will know them by their signs What signs? They don't ask people to, to, to help them They don't come to you and say See for me uh, Every time I have to, to be at the masjid So Please, this is what Allah wants from you. How do you give advice to, to the man that puts food on your table? It's difficult. Do you accept advice from your children? It's difficult, isn't it? You don't accept advice from your children. Why don't you accept advice from your children? Because you feed them. You feed them, you clothe them, you pay their school fees, and then he says, Father, do this, please. Our mentality usually is that we give no respect to the people that we take care of. So if the man is the one who puts food on your table, I, I don't think he's going to value your advice. He does not value your advice. So either sa'alt, when you ask, fas'alillah, ask Allah. You maintain your respect. With Allah, your respect is intact. Your integrity is intact. When you need help, fas'alillah, billah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think we will continue with this hadith by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala next week, inshallah.
إني فاعل ذلك غدا إلا إن يشاء الله سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك الله وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفر ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أن عبي عباس عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال كنت خلف النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يوما فقال يا غلام إني أعلمك كلمات احفظ الله يحفظك احفظ الله احفظ الله تجده تجاه تجاهك إذا سألت فاسأل الله وإذا استعنت فاستعن بالله واعلم أن الأم أن الأمة لو اجتمعت على أن ينفعوك بشيء لم ينفعوك إلا بشيء قد كتبه الله لك وإن اجتمع وإن اجتمعوا على أن يضروك بشيء لم يضروك إلا بشيء قد كتبه الله عليك رفعت الأقلام وجفت الصحف رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح وفي رواية غير الترمذي احفظ الله تجده أمامك تعرف تعرف إلى الله في الرخاء في الرخاء يعرفك في الشدة في شدتي وعلم أن ما أخطأك لم يكن ليصيبك وما أصابك لم يكن ليخطئك وعلم أن النصر مع الصبر وأن الفرج مع الكرب وأن مع العسر يسرى بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد We continue with this hadith which we started last week by the grace of Allah reported by Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه He says كنت خلف النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يوما I was behind the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم one day فقال and the Messenger وسلم, said to him, Ya Ghulam, O young man, inni u'allimuka kalimatin. I'm going to teach you some words. <coughs> take care of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is going to take care of you. And I explained that in the last meeting. <coughs> I also explained that in the last meeting. Take care of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you always find him in front of you. إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ When you ask, ask only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ And when you ask for help, فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ Seek help only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think that's where we ended in the explanation. Today we start from قَوْلِهِ وَعْلَمْ You should know. أن الأمة that the entire generation the entire Ummah لو اجتمعت if they were to come together على أن ينفعوك بشيء in order to help you with something 
lam yanfa'uka illa bi shay'in qad katabahu Allah lak they will never be able to help you with anything except what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for you i want you to observe the use of the word umma umma means a group of people umma also means a generation our umma our generation is the generation of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so our umma automatically includes the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself is he part of the umma or not part of the umma he is part of the umma sallallahu alaihi wasallam abu bakr siddiq radhiyallahu anhu is part of the umma umar ibn al-khattab radhiyallahu anhu is part of the umma Uthman bin Affan is part of the Ummah. Ali bin Abi Talib is part of the Ummah. And these are great individuals in Islam. But the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, وَعْلَمَ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوِ اجْتَمَعَتْ If the entire Ummah were to come together. So when you think of the Ummah coming together, include Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If they all came together in order to try and help you with something, including Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, lam yanfa'uk, they can't help you. Including the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, including Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, lam yanfa'uk, they can't help you. Bishay'in with anything. Lam yanfa'uka bishay'in illa ma qad katabahu Allahu lak. Except what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already wrote for you. The Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is the greatest imam of our ummah. In fact, the imam of Bani Adam, Sayyid Walad Adam. But when he teaches someone, he does not direct him to himself. He directs him to Allah. When he spoke to Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he didn't say to him, when you have a problem, come to me, and I'm going to help you. He didn't say, when you have a problem, ask me, and I will help you. He directed him to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, despite being the greatest imam. So if the Messenger wasallam, is directing people to Allah, and not to himself, there should be no imam that should direct you to himself. How you differentiate between a true imam and an imam that's not so true is that a true imam will direct you to Allah. And an imam that's not so true will direct you to himself. When you have a problem, he says, come to me and I'm going to help you. When you go to a true imam with a problem, he will tell you, I can't help you. I will direct you to Allah. In the same way that the Messenger وسلم, directed Ibn Abbas anhu, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are certain so-called imams, certain so-called awliya, who are in reality tawaghit, tawaghut, devils, 
who encourage people to come to them in order to seek help. There is a man who used to, be, to belong to the groups, these uh, Sufi groups, but that man later repented and embraced the Sunnah. But in his story, he says, when I went to my sheikh, I asked him, Sheikh, each time I have a problem, I come to you. But then there are some times when you are not around, and I cannot come to you. What am I supposed to do? He says, when you cannot reach me, you just sit wherever you are, visualize me. You think about me, istihbar. When you visualize me and think about me, then begin to make dua to Allah while thinking about me, even if I'm not around. In other words, if we sit together and we need to remember Allah, then we need to visualize our sheikh. Our sheikh is supposed to be here, even if he's far away. We'll probably put something in the middle for him to, to sit on. And we'll say, Sheikh Fulani, maybe Sheikh Ismail, is with us. Then we start making our dua in the presence of which Sheikh? Sheikh Fulani. If he is Sheikh Ismail, we say we invoke the presence of Sheikh Ismail in our midst. And we remember Allah in the presence of Sheikh Fulani. So then this man says, I went back to the Sheikh another time. I said, Sheikh, I need to travel. I'm going to a faraway land. And I'm going to need you every now and again for me to make my dua and for me to make my dhikr. He said to him, take my picture with you. Wherever you go, you should put it in your bag. Whenever you want to make dua, you get my picture. You look at my picture, then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you, and Allah is going to give you whatever you need. He says, when I went away, I started feeling my own foolishness. Because I was shy in the presence of people to take out this picture and start looking at the sheikh and remembering Allah. So he says, I bought myself a torch. And I would go and sleep at night, then under the blanket, I would light the torch and look at the picture of my sheikh and ask Allah. This is the foolishness which the Messenger is forbidding in this hadith. If these people understood only one hadith, not too many a hadith, if they understood only this hadith, it would be enough for them. Wa'alam, you should know, anna al-ummata, even if the whole ummah, if they came together in order to help you with something, they cannot help you. So if the ummah cannot help you, how would one person help you? 
The ummah, including Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa cannot help you. When you understand the hadith, you know Abu Bakr cannot help you. You know Umar can't help you. Uthman can't help you. Ali can't help you. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa can't help you. Even if they all came together, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and Abu Bakr and Ali and Uthman and everyone and all the biggest sheikhs in the world. And there is no sheikh bigger than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Or is there? There isn't. If they all came together and add to them Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ they will never help you with anything except what Allah has written for you. So stop wasting your time. Stop asking Muhammad Stop asking Abu Bakr. Stop asking Omar. Stop asking Ali. Stop asking Sheikh Fulani. No one can help you. And if they came together, in order to harm you with something, they can't cause you any harm. Only the harm which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for you. Why? Rufi'atil aqlamu. The pens have been lifted. Wajaffatil suhf. And the ink is dry. Al-imanu bil qadr. Who is in charge of qadr? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not in charge of Qadr. Abu Bakr Siddiq is not in charge of Qadr. Omar, Uthman, Ali, or maybe your sheikh, is in charge of Qadr. He's not. Rufi'atil aqlamu, the pens have been lifted. By whom? By Allah. Wajaffat is suhuf and the ink is dry. No one can change it. Only Allah can. Therefore, if you need help, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his help. Don't ask anyone else. And in a different riwayah, tirmidhi, other than the riwayah, this riwayah is for tirmidhi. Ihfadillah, take care of Allah. I explained that part last week. Tajidhu amamak. Amamak and tujahak basically the same meaning. Wa'lam. And you should know. Annama akhta'ak. What misses you? Lam yakul liyusibak. Was never going to touch you. If something misses you, it was never meant to touch you. Wama akhta'ak. Afwan. Ma asabak. Lam yakul liyukhti'ak. What touches you was never meant to miss you. وَمَا أَخْطَأَكْ And what misses you, لَمْ يَكُلْ لِيُسُيبَكَ Was never going to touch you. This goes hand in hand with a different hadith. قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَإِنْ أَصَابَكَ شَيْءٍ And if something happens to you, فَلَا تَقُلْ Don't say, لَوْ أَنِّي فَعَلْتْ If I had done this, كَانَ كَذَا وَكَذَا It was going to be like this. Don't say, لو أني فعلت كذا If I had done this, كان كذا It would have been the other way. ولكن قل, you should say, قدر الله 
This is what Allah has decreed. And what he wants, he does. Because That's how shaitan gets to you. Whenever something happens, he tells you, if you had done this, this was never going to happen. In Islam, there is nothing like, I should have done this. It's qadr. Allah wants you to be happy. There is nothing you could have done. What touched you was never ever going to miss you. And what misses you was never going to touch you. What you miss, you were meant to miss. And what calamity befalls you was supposed to befall you. There is no finger pointing in Islam. We don't say, if you had quickly taken him to the hospital, he wouldn't have died. Or if you had listened to me when I told you this was never going to happen. That is not allowed in Islam. We advise someone to do something good. But when something bad happens, never say to anyone, this is what I told you. If you had followed my advice, this was never going to happen. There's nothing like that. This was going to happen. Whatever the case, this was supposed to happen. Don't say, if you followed my advice, it was never going to happen. It was going to happen. Then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Wa'alam, you should know Anna Nasra, that victory, Ma'asabri, comes with patience. If you want victory, if you want to win a battle or a war, you have to have patience. And when we talk about Nasr, victory, it comprises many things. Victory against your enemies, but mostly victory against your greatest enemy. And your greatest enemy is yourself. To fight yourself. Jihadun nafs. That is the most difficult jihad. The greatest jihad. Because your soul has desires. It does not like the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded. The soul wants things that are easy. The soul does not want to work hard. The soul wants to relax and sleep. The soul wants to go for ma'asiyah. And you have to fight it. أَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَاهَهُ هَوَاهُ أَفَأَنْتَ تَكُونُ عَلَيْهِ وَكِيلًا Haven't you seen the person who turned his desires into his God? How does a person turn his desires into his God? When you obey your desires, then your desires have become your God. When you feel like sleeping, you sleep. And you wake up when you feel like waking up. Anything you feel like doing, you do it. 
Then your soul, your nafs, is your Lord. That's your God. You have to fight it. You cannot attain anything good, neither in this world nor in the hereafter, by following what your soul tells you to do. So an-Nasr, victory over your soul, victory over shaitan, and victory over the enemies only comes with sabr. وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ وَأَنَّ الْفَرَجَ مَعَ الْكَرْبِ In order for you to get an opening for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create an opening for you, you have to be in trouble, not so. How do we create an opening for a person who is not in trouble? وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا Whoever fears Allah, Allah is going to create an opening for him. An opening from what? You have to be in trouble. In order for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create an opening for you. So if you want al-faraj, then there has to be a problem. So Allah is going to give you a problem. When you have sabr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to create makhraja for you. An opening for you. And to tell you the truth, life would be meaningless if there were no problems to sort out. There would be no reason for us to be happy. We are only happy when we have a problem. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates an opening. After the difficulty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates ease, then we are happy. When you're broke, you have no money, and you get some money, how do you feel? Very happy, right? Very, very happy. But if you're not broke, even if you get 1,000 kwacha, 2,000 kwacha, what does it mean? Are you happy? You can't be happy. So in order for you to attain that happiness, the happiness of gaining something, you have to be in a situation where you don't have. In order for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create an opening for you so that you can be happy, you have to be in a difficult situation, first of all. But as human beings, we, we don't want the difficult situation. We just want it to be easy all the time. Then where is the happiness going to come from? It means nothing, right? Can you imagine the happiness of a person that doesn't have a child? Maybe he's 50, 60 years old, and Allah happens to give him a child. Would it be the same as the happiness of a person who already has 15, and then Allah gives him another child? This one is over the moon. So the greater the problem, the greater the happiness. True or false? The bigger your problem is, the greater your happiness is going to be. So do you want big problems, or do you want small problems? <laughs> the bigger the problem, the greater the happiness when Allah opens the way. Right. So the question is, do we want bigger problems or do we want smaller problems? The bigger. <laughs> so that the happiness can be greater. 
So wa'lam anna nasra ma'al sabri wal faraja ma'al karbi wa anna ma'al usri yusra. With every difficult situation, there is an easy situation coming. In the same way that definitely after the night, the day has to come, definitely after a problem, an easy time has to come. Life is like that. Expect that easy time the same way you expect daylight when it is night. It is coming. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah says, وَلَا حُزْنٌ يَدُومُ وَلَا سُرُورٌ وَلَا بُؤْسٌ عَلَيْكَ وَلَا رَخَاءُ إِذَا مَا كُنْتَ ذَا قَلْبٍ قَنُوعٍ فَأَنْتَ وَمَالِكُ الدُّنْيَا سَوَاءُ وَلَا حُزْنٌ يَدُومُ There's no everlasting sadness. It's never there. لا حزن يدوم sadness can never be everlasting ولا سرور and happiness is never everlasting ever you're happy today but surely the way you expect the night expect sadness is just round the corner it has to come expect it it's like night and day لا حزن يدوم ولا سرور happiness can never be everlasting don't think when you're happy you're going to remain happy the night is coming and for those who are experiencing the night, the day is coming. It's just like, it's just like being in different countries. If you're in America, and it's night time in America, it may be daytime today. But do we have to laugh at you saying, oh, look at them, they're in the night and we are experiencing daytime here. He will say, yours is coming. Your time is coming. So things may be easy for you. Uh, I'm not making a bad dua for anyone. It may be easy for you, but obviously some, uh, some difficult times will, will come. And the one experiencing difficult times today, obviously some easy time is going to, 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 to come. Watilkal ayam. And those are the days. Watilkal ayam. And those are the days. We change them between the people. Someone is happy today. Someone else is crying tomorrow. So al-nasra ma'al-sabr, wal-faraja ma'al-karb, wa-anna ma'al-usri yusra. If this single hadith were to, give, to be given to any person, like I told you, person who are, I mean people who are misdirected, who go to someone else for nasr, and go to someone else for yusr, this hadith would give them a clear picture of what they're supposed to be following. Because the Messenger Muhammad وسلم, did not call people to himself. He didn't say, when you have a problem, come to me. He said, إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهِ وَإِذَا إِسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ وَاعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوِ اجْتَمَعُوا أَلَا إِنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ وَإِنْ اجْتَمَعُوا أَلَا إِنْ يَضُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ and I said this hadith corresponds with هذا والله تعالى أعلم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك ونشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك